Boston. Thank you for being on my podcast. You the, bet. Uh, PDX Media Good Old Days. You're my first guest who's still in the business. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's you're you're the only one who hasn't escaped. <laughs> that must mean you, I'm love, working what, on it. you <laughs> love what you're doing. I do. Okay. I, I think if you do, you should keep going as long as you want to. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, oh, you look wonderful. What a great room there with your art behind you. I recognize your art every day. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's the den, uh, the exercise room, there's the treadmill, <laughs> there's the, and also, yeah, it's my art studio. And then the dog door is there. Oh, there's the dog, one of the dogs. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I love your I love your artwork. You paint in acrylics, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You and you've been very successful. I mean, uh, you're selling your stuff, and people are are uh, uh, contracting you for commissioning stuff, right? Yeah. So, like the one behind me is a, a Stacy Abrams. Uh, yep. I did, I did another. The first Stacy Abrams I did, uh, I sold right away, and then. Um, a friend asked me to do one for him, so I'm doing one for him. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. In fact, it, it started like it started getting really crazy. I did uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I painted her the night that she passed away because I was so upset. Yeah. And and I showed it to uh, one woman, and she immediately bought it. And I oh, and then she, I I was like okay, and then she said, you know, you need to do mugs, and I said. Who's going to buy a mug? Who's going to buy a mug? Carl, it's over okay. 500 months later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good for you. Uh, we have, yeah. uh, have one that you did for us, for Jill, for her birthday uh, of our dog. Yes. yes. We had that um, sitting on a shelf, not in this room, but uh, yeah. And uh, that's awesome. Uh, have you, I, I mean, I knew you Mer were artistic. Have you always painted like that or... Or did you get to a point where you started and said, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be better at this and I want to, uh, you know, have an art career with this? Oh, I always painted as a kid and I took a, a few, few lessons in college and then dropped it all together, I think in my twenties, because I just didn't think I was good enough. Um, and then I picked it back up again in my forties. Uh, I mean, I'm 61 now, so I picked it back in late 40s, early 50s. So, uh, and then recently I took a class, like last year, a year and a half ago, I took a class and it just got me really going, like really, you know, I've done different styles and it, it constantly changes, it evolves, you know, so, and I think it was, I want to say, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, our Bloom, Richard Bloom asked me to do some paintings for for the his his shop and i thought really he wants me to do that so little by little people have bolstered my confidence and then each step has gone up higher and higher and so things that you know the 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 art has changed over time and then the things i've done with the art has changed over time too so well i yeah. think what, you, what you're doing now with the um the prominent women that you're painting like stacy yeah. abrams and rbg uh i mean there's a there's a I don't even want to call that a niche. It's just, it's a real powerful uh, artistic expression about really important women. Yeah, I, I agree. I did. Yes, yeah, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 
Shirley Chisholm. I don't know if uh, people younger than us know. Um, I'm working also on Gloria Steinem. Oh, and I did Irma Bombeck because I'm playing her. So, yeah. And I did Dr. Fauci. That, Dr. Fauci is pretty popular. Yeah. The ladies love Dr. Fauci. Sure. And they should. <laughs> I love how honest he's being right now. I know. I, isn't he being honest. great? But we always knew that, right? We always knew he was going to be straightforward and honest with us and tell us what we needed to know, not what somebody wanted us to know. Which is the journalist in us. That's not the liberal or conservative. That's the journalist in us is, hey. is, is we want people to be factual. And, uh, and that's what he has always wanted to be and certainly can be now. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you about Irma Bombeck because uh, you're doing a show a one-woman show, uh, and I think what's cool about this, other than just that you're doing it, I know you've done some of this before, is that in this COVID time, it's getting released online. People can, instead of buying a ticket and going to the show, they're buying a ticket and they can stream it, which is right. uh, unique, necessary, and really kind of awesome, isn't it? Yeah, although it's, a, it's not live theater. I mean, nothing can change live theater. Nothing can change being there, you know, and also it's, uh, Unlike doing a, a television show where you have multiple cameras and audio and close-ups and all, I mean, it's just filmed one night on stage and that's, that's it. So there's some feel to a live show, but you're not there in the audience. So there's yeah. good and bad. Yeah, and I guess the difference- But that's, but that's COVID times. So we're gonna do what we need to do, yeah. right? The difference is that you're not uh, doing AM Northwest in the morning, going home, taking a nap and doing a show at night for three or four straight weeks, which in itself can be an enjoyable experience. Uh, this is yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. You, you've taped the show and the show will get streamed out when people order it, right? It's, yeah, yeah. So it's, and so now I have no control. No, it's it's over. There you go. All, all the things I screwed up on the day we taped it, it's there. It's, it's left for it. Uh, forever in the yeah. uh, in the virtual world. Uh, so tell me about Irma Bombeck. You know, she was this great comedic writer. Uh, and tell me about the show and her voice that comes out through you. Well, I, I thought I knew Irma Bombeck, you know, that uh, she was a stay-at-home mom and that she was very funny. And uh, I remember her from her GMA days, you know, being on Good Morning America and having a segment there. I mean, I remember that as, as a young person. And just that she was very, she took ordinary and made it funny. And, you know, and, and really was truthful about what goes on at home when other people weren't being truthful about what goes on at home. But what I didn't know was that she was a big Equal Rights Amendment supporter and, and she went out on the road and uh, tried to get Americans to try to get states to say, yes, let's pass the Equal Rights Amendment, which I thought was fascinating in itself and that her marriage was really interesting. She was very, she and her husband had a very easygoing marriage, nothing like nothing out of the ordinary happened. I didn't know her oldest daughter was adopted. I didn't know, took her a while to have kids. And uh, just, I didn't know her story of growing up. Um, you know, her dad died when she was nine years old and uh, her, her life just completely was upended, which happened to a lot of women back then. And actually uh, I connected with Irma because my dad also died when I was nine years old and my whole world turned upside down. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a single mom and your world is no longer the same. And now you're struggling to survive where before everything was calm and easygoing and, you know, predictable. 
then everything becomes unpredictable. And yeah, fate fate deals you a, a, a left turn in a hurry, and you you have no option other than to deal with it, and you don't know how. Right. 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 So she, so I connected with her on that, and it was, um, it, I just have a newfound respect for her. So she's in, she was an incredible woman. Uh, yeah, I kind of think I remember. I she, I read one of her books. Uh, I read some of her columns because she had a, a column in the newspaper. If you had the right newspaper, uh, it was titled uh, "If Life Is a Bowl of Cherries, Why Am I in the Pits?" Right. Yeah, and I just remember loving it. She reminds me, um, although she talked a lot about more home life. But she's kind of like a Dave Barry uh, that she she can just spin yeah. she yeah. can spin words into really meaningful um, uh, thoughts, but also funny as hell. Yeah, I mean, really funny. Yeah. Just and her delivery was very deadpan. I mean, you yeah. she didn't set things up and then they land like a joke. It's just a conversation, you know. And well, her, um, with, uh, her interview with Johnny Carson were really interesting because because she wasn't a comedian per se mm -hmm. you know it was a conversation that she had and she really made him laugh which was great okay her sense of humor in that setting reminds me of our great friend dave anderson yeah who uh he was you know he's a comedian a comedian he knew how to do a setup and a punchline all stuff but uh if you had a conversation with dave um he would think of the funniest things off the top of his head, just like that. And, and that's the way Irma Bombeck was, yeah. uh, you know, in, in that uh, you weren't setting up bits. You were just having a conversation. And they're always the funniest people in the room and probably the smartest. Yeah. He, Dave was so great, just to, so hilarious in just conversations. So hilarious. And, you know, I interview many comedians. I've interviewed a ton of comedians. And there's a difference between the people who can have a conversation and be funny just chatting. Yeah. Then the ones that need to be standing up and, and that's okay that, but you need to be standing up and then giving your jokes and you have a routine. Unlike, you know, I mean, I've sometimes interviewed comedians where they only, they don't, Oh, give me this joke or here's what we're going to talk about. But Dave was one of those comedians that you could just sit there. Every morning meeting was a riot. Yeah. <laughs> Every morning meeting was just hysterical. And, and uh, um, when Dave was hosting the show, you guys, you guys were awesome together. Obviously, right after I did, and we'll talk about that. But if you went on vacation, we'd come in every once in a while and start the show with him and have that conversation. And I just, I, I loved it because, uh, again, that conversation, he was so funny, uh, but he allowed you to be funny. Yeah. And he would laugh. Uh, and again, I always, I always equate really good comedy or funny people with intelligence I and mean, yes. you got to know stuff to be funny yes he he, he was so smart about so many things yeah I mean he might not have been able to help you with your algebra homework but the guy knew a lot of things about Portland uh, about uh, being a parent um, about the business and yeah. he was so smart and he was the funniest guy in the room but he but he allowed you to be funny too yeah yes absolutely which he did absolutely. for you every day he was, a, he was kind of a bit of a um a psychologist too, you know, just yeah. me, you could tell if you were not doing well, he could tell how to pull you out of your mood and, and then how to press your button. If he wanted to tick you off, he knew how to do that too. I mean, he's just. That, that was the best part of the show when you guys were hosting, when he, oh. he would push you buttons. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, cause he knows how to do that. He knows what gets people. Yeah. It's like, he can read you, you know, like, I think 
if he wanted to, he could have been one of those good psychics on the psychic network because he can just read people. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, you started, uh, again, here's the gig on my podcast. I don't do any research. It's all from memory and I'm wrong often. But um, uh, you started at King TV, in, King TV in Seattle as kind of a, a either a, a receptionist, but also a kind of a, a, an audience coordinator for their talk show, right? Yeah, so I started out as a receptionist at 18. I got, I ended up being a production, a little uh, producer on a t- teenage talk show, uh, and then um, then worked for Seattle Today, and I did the audience coordinating. So yeah, brought in the audiences, warmed them up, I did a little warm-up thing, uh, took care of all the production stuff, made the coffee, greeted the guests, that kind of stuff, wrote the thank you notes, and then became a uh, floor director at King TV. And then after that, I um, moved to Montana uh, and became, um, I did sports in Montana and I also hosted my own little talk show, Helen and Helena, so in Helena, Montana. Um, and then moved to Eugene and got a job at anchoring and news reporting at KVAL in Eugene. And that's uh, where let's I get back to uh, what I like about your story starting at King is that um, <clears throat> there are so many people we know that, uh, you know, you tell people, what do I, what do I want to do? In the, I want to get in the business. How do I get in? Get your foot in the door. Yeah. Get your foot in the door. Be good at what you do, no matter what it is, even yeah. if it's being a receptionist or the audience coordinator or the floor director, uh, and you're going to learn. And once you do that, then, you know, I hate to be cliche, but the sky's the limit is you, you, you do exactly what you did is you, yeah. you, uh, you turn that into what is now, you know, more than a 40 year career in the business, yeah. right? By getting your foot in the door, working hard and learning. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I mean, because the receptionist job, I wouldn't have found out about uh, working on a, on a brand new show that had just started about teenagers. And that led to then being, uh, producing the audience for the Seattle Today, that led to floor directing, that led to helping to produce on Seattle Today, then that led to other things, that led to my own talk show in Montana. I mean, it led to a lot. And, and you got a lot just being there. And you got to be willing to 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 do any anything. It's like, hey, we need somebody to do this. Boom, there you it's go. Do it. What I did. That yeah. Is, yeah, I almost lived at the station because I had so much fun. I'd go on shoots. I'd learn how to shoot, learn how to edit. Yep. That's exactly what I did. Uh, I remember. Uh, I had done sports at Channel 8 for six years, and I moved into reporting in the news department. A lot of it was feature reporting. But one weekend, they, they were looking for a weekend anchor uh, to fill in for somebody who was, you know, somebody's on vacation. They were short notice. Somebody was sick. Uh, and, and I had never anchored the news. I'd anchored the sports. And I just walked in. The guy said, hey, if you need somebody, I'll come in and do it. Boom. Yeah. I'm anchoring the weekends. And then I fill in the next time they need somebody, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, and then, you know, I get lucky and start working with Brenda in the morning with Dave and Brenda, and we do nine years of morning news and eventually come over and do it with you at channel two, just by saying, Hey, I'll do it. Yeah. And I did that a lot. It was just like, yeah, if you ever need me, let me know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And one person that comes to mind, uh, the producer of AM Northwest, AM Northwest, Leslie Martin. Yeah. Is Leslie still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she started out as a secretary to the news director at, at yeah. the KGW. Uh, and, you know, we always knew she was, you know, one of the smarter people in the room, but that's where she started. And, and she was efficient and good at her job and took care of everybody. And she's and been the producing. Big, the, big, the big joke about Leslie is that she would be our phoner friend on Cash Cab. <clears throat> yeah. She was smart. 
Or a millionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got to write that one down. You're right. Leslie Martin, she, she knew everything about everything. Yeah. Oh. I mean, now they don't do phone a friend on cash debt. Yeah, they do something else. I forget what they do. But, or if you have an illness, you call Leslie, Dr. Martin. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got the, that's what Dave Anderson used to do. Dr. Martin, I've got this pain here because mm-hmm. he was kind of a hypochondriac. I've got this pain here. What do you think it is? And then she would go through a litany of questions and then she'd go, well, I think it might be this. Okay, I'll call the doctor. <laughs> uh, so you came to Portland, as I remember, you came to Channel 8 and was it PM Magazine or Good Evening where you were? Uh, it was Good Evening and I was a reporter for Good Evening. That was really fun. And uh, who was uh, hosting? Was Teresa hosting then? Yeah. Teresa and uh, Jack McGowan or uh, Craig Walker? It was just Teresa. It was just Teresa. Really? Yeah. And then later came your friend from Seattle. Uh, Ed White. And Ed White. Ed White. Yeah. yeah. My friend from Seattle. We were, we were high school friends, played tennis together. Oh, that's, and... I don't know why that stuck in my mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, um. He's in Australia now or something. Yeah, he's like a sportscaster that. in Australia. I talked to him quite a bit Facebook-wise and that kind of stuff. So, um, And then over to Channel 2 to be the reporter on AM Northwest. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I started as, um, as, just like what we're talking about, I'm available, do whatever. After, after Good Evening was canceled, I ended up working in news for a little bit, and then I did promos. I was in the promotion department. For I remember them. that now, yeah. And then- You had to, to come down and ask all the news people- Hey, I need you to do this. And that's not always the most cooperative because uh, people are busy. I'll tell you what, I did not like that job. Really? Yeah. I mean, I like the putting together of the promo. It's the getting the, the news anchors or reporters to tell me what they what they thought the story was about. And that wasn't fun. Yeah. yeah that's not fun. And that wasn't belligerent. That was uh, low on their priority list, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, and busyness, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also... And they sometimes may not know exactly what they want to reveal about the story that they want to give, which I get, I get that. But yeah, K2 called and said, we have an opening uh, here for someone to fill in in the promotion department. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I had tried, I had, I had applied at AM Northwest before and not gotten it. Um, And then I was over there and they asked, I said, let me know if you need someone to fill in. And they said, so we need someone to fill in as they go out in the, in the field. Yep. And then, uh, then they didn't hire for a while. I ended up working at Coin even for a summer. And then I got a call from uh, the producer of uh, AM Northwest saying, how about coming in to do part-time and be the roving reporter? And so it was called the Roving Redhead was my gig. Yeah, I remember. That was a great label. I loved it. <laughs> and so that was, uh, that was, was that with Lindman and Mary Starrett? Uh, it was with Bosley and Rebecca Webb. Oh, I forgot Rebecca Webb hosted that show. Yeah. Uh, so I go back. Now, we'll get to that again, because I helped you host that show for a couple of years. Uh, I watched it in the summertime, you know, TV geek that I was. I, I just loved Margie and, um, and Jim Bosley. I loved it. And all, everything, you know. Um, but it, Margie and then Mary Starrett, Rebecca Webb. Uh, is it, are those the three folks? Yeah. 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 Um, in fact, I'll give you a, a Margie connection. So up in Seattle, I, I had uh, joined the production team of the Seattle Today Show, and I heard about, uh, and then Margie came one time to fill in for our female host who wasn't there, who had to go on leave, and Margie came to fill in. I remember looking at her, honest to God, I remember looking at Margie and going, first of all, she's beautiful, but then I remember thinking, that's what I want to do. Look at how, 
and she goes down to Portland and she gets, the, and she, she, she hosts a show there. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And I remember thinking that. And then to meet her years later, and now we're good friends. Yeah. That's kind of wild, right? I think that's a whole full circle kind of thing. Well, well I feel the same way because I, you know, uh, growing up watching uh, her and Jim Bosley, and she's really damn good at it. She's and, so good. And, and, uh, and she's very, you know, very smart. There's a bit of a crush on her. And then, then to meet her, uh, I think I met her at a Portland Beavers baseball game after she sang the national anthem. I went up and said hello. And I'd seen her in a play, uh, and 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 now um, you know, uh, being in the business in the same town, know each other pretty well. Uh, I'm hoping to have her on the podcast. She said she's going to come on the podcast. Just a little busy right now. Um, yeah, she uh, she she really she and Bosley really laid the groundwork for that show, which I think AM Northwest is a treasure. It's been around. Uh, it's getting close to 50 years uh, in a local market. Those kind of shows don't survive. They haven't survived in most TV markets, uh, but to have it be that successful and that long running uh, is uh, I, that's I'm just so glad I got to be a part of it for those two years I was was there. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, it really is. It, and uh, while we you know things are different now, like there are sales segments, there are still moments when it's just really fun to be a part of the show and interview really interesting people oh, and yeah. you know and and be the pulse of what's going on in the city is kind of fun too. So I, I like all of that. In fact, uh, going back to Margie, you yeah. know, when I actually met her and she had no clue who I was, but um, from Seattle, we, it was, we did a play together and it was yeah. called tomatoes, hot sweet tomatoes or something like that. We were all uh, women in the media and the stuff, the subject was mostly about menopause and it was really funny. So it was Margie and Cheryl Hansen and, and me and, and Paula Gunnis. Oh, that's, that's Hall of Fame TV, uh, Portland TV uh, women right there. All one, all one play. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so you were the field reporter for a while, and then you eventually stepped into the hosting position. I was always filling in, seemed like I was filling in, and then at the point, uh, Kathy Marshall and Paul Lindman hosted, and then uh, Kathy Marshall and Ken Ackerman hosted. And then, yeah, so I just kept filling in. And then, then eventually, I filled in so often that I don't remember the clear line between when I, you know, genuinely got the full-time job of doing it um, on a regular basis. And I joined you in 2005. Um, I left Channel 8 where I had been there for 22 years, uh, and I, I would not have I would not have changed stations if AM Northwest wasn't on the table. I basically, you know, they they were looking for somebody to host, and I my contract was up at Channel 8, and um, and just the, just the uh, opportunity to be part of that show was so attractive that I decided to leave where I'd been and thought I was always going to be. Uh, yeah. to, go, to go do that. I remember um, when I was leaving, uh, long story about how I left Channel 8, and I'm going to save that for the podcast, but when I eventually told them, I said, uh, I'm, I'm going someplace else. I can't tell you where, but I'm going to get to do something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and then, then the news director tried to guess and, 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 and bluff and all that. It's not important. I'm getting to do something that I've wanted to do since I was a teenager. So I mean, 
I'm not, I'm not leaving out of, uh, uh, of anything that's happening here, but this is this great opportunity. And, and so I think it was almost two years, but not quite two years that we hosted that show together. We also anchored the news together. Right. Um, and the, remember the new news? So we did the early morning news. Yeah. Then we hosted AM Northwest. And then we did the noon news. That was, that was crazy. It was a full day. It was exhausting and a full day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got, I, and, I, and I say that doing, what I liked about AM Northwest other than being there with you and the, and the treasured history of it is um, live audience, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like your, your plays that you do live audience. When we were there, um, uh, what five or six different segments or different guests with, that were, that were different. You know, you went from interviewing, you know, we interviewed uh, um, Senator Gordon Smith after his son had committed suicide uh, to uh, a, a local or, or, you know, some, uh, celebrity who was coming through town or household hints or I mean, okay. just such such a variety of things so you had to be on the top of your game yeah I mean, you had to be able to do x and then y and then in two minutes during a commercial break get ready to do something physical uh, all the while there was an audience there you, you had to kind of keep entertained anyway right. um i i felt that that challenged me the most and i had the most fun doing that i did a lot of wonderful things i was lucky enough to do that but being part of that for that time was is a treasure. I really yeah. love it. Yeah, when the when there was a full audience and they were loving the show, it was great. Uh, and that the change in the show happened right then after when you and I were doing it is they took it out of news. They yeah. put it in. They put it into uh, sales, sales or, or production. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they took away the audience, which was I think that that was a. Again, if you talk about this, this is okay, but I think I remember it being a financial decision about yes. insurance and things like that. And that and so they and ended, they took it away for four days. They had audience only on Fridays. Right, I remember that. It's also getting harder to get get an audience because everybody works for the most part. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so but because to they took it out of news, we couldn't do both. Mm -hmm. And because some of the segments that you do. Uh, are are purchased by people who want to advertise their products, and I mean, no surprise, it's a sales segment, but it's still informative, and you still do a great job. In it. But you couldn't do that, you couldn't do the news. Right. So um, one or the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that I chose news. I think they chose it for me. <laughs> I would, I you know, I would have had to, you know, chosen news, and and then and that's when you came in with Dave, or Dave came in to to do those many great years that you guys did. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I really missed doing news. I, I loved uh, anchoring the newscast and being, seeing stuff happen right then and there. I love, I love knowing what was going on. You know, I really, I really missed that. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't miss it now. <laughs> no, no, no. I only missed what it was then. Yeah. I don't miss what it is now. And I wouldn't, I, you know, like Angelica um, Thornton, and they do such a great job on the morning newscast, and she's so sharp and on top of it. I, I wouldn't want to take part in that right now, especially with all the news that's that's happening. Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a different time. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, when we started in news, uh, there was the five o'clock newscast, and you did your story for the five o'clock newscast. Well, uh, now there's a four and a five and a six thirty and and the, the ten o'clock that you're doing for the independent station and the eleven o'clock and you got a tweet and you got you know uh, 
and, and I kind of did that for a while and could handle it, but uh, it, it's just different kind of storytelling than we used to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, there's a lot of social media and I honestly, I, I was just thinking about it today. I just, I'm really feeling for, especially the young women that are doing the newscasts and having them to, to tweet and Facebook and all that stuff. And the, the comments that come from the viewers, I don't know if you follow any of the local reporters who have to tweet out everything. And then the stuff that they get from, I'm getting serious here, but from men viewers and these men viewers put down the, the young women like nobody's business or will, will say sexual things to them. It's just bizarre that you know, you're forced to do that. And then, and then they put their lives, honestly, put their lives at risk going out to do news stories because they're threatened all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that happen. I mean, it's not unusual. Uh, remember, uh, uh, you know, people would send emails or letters, mostly to women, yeah. uh, either creepy or, you know, why are you doing your hair that way? Or who dresses you? Uh, they would not send that to the men. Uh, but now the access through social media is so much more immediate. Yeah, uh, I mean, feel I hope like they feel like uh, viewers who do access feel that that personality is their friend or is there is so close to them that they can say anything they want. Yeah, it's a little it's a little too close. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I hope for their sake that they can ignore. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird social media culture right now that yeah. they're much more used to it than we are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. And, and I've made friends with viewers over the years, you know, have become friends with them. And then I love it when someone says something to me, says something negative, and then the rest of the people jump on them. It's just great. I have my own support group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, I mean, uh, we're friends on, on social media. Um, and I'm just curious uh, if you have Helen's account and Helen's official TV account, because you are uh, opinionated uh, and about certain issues. Uh, and you're not afraid to uh, speak out and, and post things about what you believe in. Um, and I know you're you're a little you're. I've seen you be critical of, of people who, hey, this is this is my space. This is what I'm going to say. If you don't like it, move on. Yeah. So I have a personal page, and then I have a fan page. I don't have an official K2 page. Uh, that's never happened. There is an AM Northwest page. Okay. Um. So that's about as close as it, as it gets to the official. But that's more about it replays segments and that kind of thing or ask questions. Uh, so, yeah, I still can't be re really, Carl. There's some things I really want to say oh. that I can't really say. Um, so you can't I can't really say everything. I, what I've done, though, is kind of on my personal page. It, it's people who feel the same way I do. Yeah. You know, it's rare that I have someone that I haven't figured out that they don't think the same way I do. You're not ready for it, but when you retire, you can say what you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to come. It's going to flow. Yeah, which, which, which has become my stand-up career. <laughs> uh, so, do, um, so do, you, do you make jokes about, about being in the news business? Uh, you know, not as much as, uh, not as much as you would think. Okay. Uh, some, but I just, uh, it's not funny to me, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I like to tell the people that I want to come see me, I, I tell them it's like PG 13 or maybe PG 18, yeah. uh, 
I, I try to keep it clean, but I talk about really mature topics. Yeah. That are funny. So, uh, and then the young people I'm working with, I'm, you know, I'm the oldest of, of in the, in the group of comics that I work with, uh, they're, um, uh, they're PG like, you know, 28, 29, 30. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so, you know, if you're coming to see me, uh, the people that are, you know, before me and after me might, right. might be different for you. So, yeah. Oh, but. absolutely. I was, I, I did want to say something. It is like AM Northwest is fun in that, um, so the, sometimes the interviews are just a blast. The people that I talk to are just a blast. I mean, it can, it can really be fun. And then you have the people that you work with. So like Steve Denary, who produces the show, he's, he's really very funny. And sometimes he can pull jokes on me, which he does. And it's just kind of like the other day, it was a total anchorman mo moment, um, getting ready to introduce some, oh, getting ready to introduce a cooking segment. And I, and I look up, you know, I've pre-read my intro and I look up and I start reading and all of a sudden it says that I love cauliflower, which I hate cauliflower. He wrote but, that in the script? But Denary had changed the script right before I went on. So I didn't see that. And then it meant, so since I love cauliflower, wait a minute here. I don't love cauliflower. Everybody who knows me knows that. Or was it uh, Russell Sprouts? It was Brussels Sprouts. It was a recipe to make delicious so-called Brussels sprouts. But anyway, I just thought it was so funny because so that you can have a little fun, not that's not the stuff you can do in news. You know, you right, can't do sure. that kind of thing in news. Uh, Steve Denary, who you refer to as boss man on the show. Boss man, uh -huh. uh, is he still uh, director of promotions? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I, I, told, I told him before I left, uh, he's the best at that job yeah. that I ever dealt with in 31 years. Yeah, uh, um, really uh, he's got a, he's very dry. I was never sure if he liked me or not, but, uh, but he's, he, he's, I'm never sure if he likes me, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, and I know that he's been real, uh, crucial, uh, integral in and Northwest and how it's molded over the last 10 years. Um, but, uh, he, he is really good at a very, what was a, a difficult job in any newsroom or, yeah. or any TV station of promoting things like that. And any other really, uh, I want to, what are the funniest things that, you know, when, when people ask you, hey, what's the funniest thing or the weirdest or the hardest thing you've ever done uh, or the worst thing that's gone wrong on AM Northwest? I mean, you've done it so many years. Uh, it, there has to be an answer to that. I'm trying to think. Um, oh, uh, one of the things was one day, uh, you, you know, there was another room, another studio next to AM Northwest where, remember, Debbie Arman would have people coming in from around the nation and they would do satellite interviews. So anybody uh -huh. famous yeah. stopping would do satellite interviews. And and Daenerys sometimes would grab the person, like grab the person in that studio and bring him and say, okay, you're gonna interview so-and-so like with no warning, no warning. <laughs> okay, now I'm not gonna understand this because I don't remember the name because I'm, I don't know rock and roll. I just, I don't, don't. And Denary says, so-and-so's coming in. I said, oh, that's great. I don't know who so-and-so is. I have no clue. And he, and, and I mean, everyone in the audience heard the name and it was, there was an audience and they were, they were just like so excited and everybody on the staff was so excited and, and everybody, and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this big time rock and roller who I have no clue who he is. And he sits down and Daenerys so excited and he's in my ear, talking in my ear. And, and I said, so what are you doing in town? You know, just like, what do you do? Wait and then 
Janari said, ask him about the time he hit himself in the in the head with a guitar. Okay, so so did you ever recover from that time you hit yours? And then that he told the story, the guitarist told the story. Now someone will be able to figure out who it is. I don't know. Um, but it was one of the like, how do you how would you feel to just get someone just tossed on you? Like that oh, just yeah. here you go. Like what? What? You know? But you're so, a professional and you brought probably people at home had no idea that you were clueless. <laughs> I think a few did, but that's okay, you know. So I, I mean, have two to go, go ahead. I have two to go over with you. Oh, tell me. One was um, Dennis Leary. Oh, you yeah. know the Dennis Leary story? I don't remember the story, no, okay. but I remember Dennis so, Leary. So you and I are doing the chat part about, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And I had made jam. Oh, <laughs> I remember the story now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because that's what I did. We had raspberry bushes. And I would pick raspberries, I'd pick blackberries, and I'd make jam, and I'd give them to all my coworkers as my Christmas gift. Um, that, that is such a Carl Click thing to do. I know. So, so while we're chatting about making jam, people listening on the podcast, Carl Click thing means a very all-American, sweet, good old boy kind of sweet thing to do. I made my jam. I'm gonna give Stop. it to my friends. Okay. But, you know, I would make jam and I'd give it to everybody that I work with on my shift or at the show at, for Christmas. And people, it, it was pretty damn good. And yeah, people, it was really good. People were, would, like, look forward to it. You know, I'd come into the newsroom on the morning of, you know, December 23rd and, and oh, good, the jam is here or whatever. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody would say, hey, did your wife make this? Yeah. Hell no. I made, I, I made my jam. So we're talking about I made jam this weekend. And Dennis Leary is waiting because he's our first guest on a satellite. And I love Dennis Leary. And so he overheard the whole thing. And, and he just basically took my man card away. When, before we can even start the interview, he goes, now, wait a minute. Did I hear right, Carl, that you made jam? <laughs> and he just tore me apart. He did. He, like, he made fun. Like, what else do you do, Carl? <laughs> uh, but here, here's, uh, he, we, we ended before we got, he said, I'll tell you what. If you send me some of that jam, the next time I'll be in Portland, I'm coming to do your show live in person. And, and jam. I brought in a jam and uh, Chris Garrard uh, made a label and we sent it to his people. We never heard back. But Dennis Leary <laughs> They got always it. say stuff like that and then they never follow. Oh, but yeah, I, I bet if, if anybody comes up to Dennis Leary and says, hey, do you remember the guy in Portland who made jam? He would remember <laughs> it because he just tore me apart. <laughs> He's such a funny guy. He's he's a good one too. Yeah. He's Here's the other one. This is after I left the show, and I I think it was uh, unfortunately after we lost Dave. Um, there was a comedian on the show who was just being a butt. Oh oh okay. And all he wanted to talk about was some band called Alabama Florida, Georgia, no, Georgia Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, and so you'd ask him the regular question. These, these people would come in on Thursday because they were doing uh, three to three nights at helium and they would be, and, and it was pretty regular for comedians to do that. And he just didn't want to be there. And he was being a butt. He and was, so and, and was, it, it pissed me off. Yeah. So he was, so before the show, I can't remember his name now, so that's probably good. Um, but we did have a live audience that day before the show. He was really a nice guy. I mean, just super nice. And I, I had done my research on him. So I had, I'd gone through his Instagram and Twitter and found pictures of him with his mom camping and some other things, you know? Um, and, and I was talking to him in the green room and seriously, just 
nice guy, 20 something, nice guy. And, and then I'm sitting out on the set and he comes walking out and his whole demeanor changed. Like his, his hair looked all of a sudden sloppy and he looked kind of like he was out of sorts. He looked fine in the green room. I was just talking to him and he had said something back in the green room about how he's not allowed anymore on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I think that was it. And I said, why is that? Oh, you know, and I said, oh, that's just so odd. That's so odd, right? We found out, didn't we? Yeah. And then I, I asked my first question and he said something about a drug. What was the drug that was big back then that people took it and they would eat somebody else's face? Ecstasy? No. Mm -hmm. You're not the right person to ask that question, honestly. Was it Ad Advil? What? <laughs> no, it wasn't Advil. Uh, anyway, so I forget what the name of that drug was, but every question that I asked, he answered with Florida Georgia line. Well, I went, you know, I went to the Florida Georgia line and I'm looking at him and then he would say something else about, yeah, I say I took some of that blah, blah, blah drug and, and it was, it's an outrageous drug. So to hear it was kind of startling. Um, and, and the reason he brought up Florida Georgia Line was that was the band playing on GMA as right before he came into our show. Yeah. So he was watching that in the green room and that stuck in his mind, I guess. He just kept doing it. And then I, I and I'm, first I laugh and the audience laughs, but then after a while it starts to get really irritating. And then I think I said, well, now we know why you're not allowed on Jimmy Kimmel anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was, and thankfully Daenerys said, let's just end this because I, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. And I give people, I give comedians a lot of extra leeway. Yeah, sure. I laugh even when I don't think they're funny for a while to give them something to feel good about. Right? And then he was just being a jerk. Well, I, go ahead. Do you got more on that guy? He, well, he took some drugs between when you talked to him and no, 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 it's going to be, he's going to be get, He was trying to get a viral moment. Yeah. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to get a viral moment and and it didn't work. He put it on his Twitter page and his people, his, his fans like, yeah, yeah, you really got her. And like, yeah, uh, uh, if that's what you call funny, I'm, but I do have another one. Well, let me, let me finish that one because here's my reaction to that. I was watching back in the newsroom and it pissed me off. And I was this close. It crossed my mind to walk down there and walk right onto your set and, and to say to the guy, you are being so incredibly rude to her. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we want everybody to go down to helium and buy a ticket because we like helium and we want them to succeed. But I tell you what, we're all going to go down there and buy a ticket and we're going to sit in that audience and we're going to be assholes to you. Like you have been to her. We're going to heckle the hell out of you and see what you think. Go Carl. But you go. I, I, I didn't because I'm Carl, but I, I and you know, I probably could have got fired for that, but should have. Yeah. I really should have. How would Denari have reacted to that? I think he would have loved it. He was pretty pissed off. He yeah. was really pissed off. And it's the same. Um, who was the guy that used to smash pumpkins? Uh, Gallagher. 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 Watermelons, was the, yeah. He was the worst watermelons. He was the worst guest. And, and a complete a-hole. Just a complete. He took over and threw money in the air and called woman a name in the in the green room there were huh. two in the, in the green room and he started he, he made leslie car cry uh our, one of our segments was going to be on suicide and gallagher said people who kill themselves their family deserves it because blah blah blah, blah. Huh. And one, one woman in the green room said that's uncalled for and then he called her the, the b name and 
they got into, I mean, an argument. Leslie's crying, and I don't know this is going on behind the scenes. Then he comes down. on. Yeah, then he comes on, and he's just a complete jerk. Just a complete jerk. And it was just, we pulled him off early. He was like, okay, here you go. There. Well, go. now we know he's, uh, where is he now? <laughs> yeah. And he was, he was um, apparently caused quite a problem at Harvey's. He was at Harvey's that weekend. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. that's not how you... That's but not that's how you get also, work. That's the, that's the excitement of live TV, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, you've had, you've got to interview some of your, you know, some great, some of your heroes. Uh, yeah. And what a, what a great, uh, you know, just so many people come through that show. A lot of it's now by satellite, but I mean, I, I remember being just tickled that Tony Orlando came through yeah. and interviewed him great. together. Yeah. And Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yep. Um, uh, just, I mean, it's a great show, Helen, and you've been so great on it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carl. I hope it, hope it lasts as long as you want it to last. Me too. Um, so let's remind folks um, that uh, the title of the Irma Bombeck play is... At Wit's End. At Wit's End. Columns, yeah. and, and, and to go online to get... Um, to get uh, tickets so you can stream it is through. Well, it's called Five Ohm TV. Five uh, spelled out five O H M. You know what I'll do? I'll send you a link and maybe you can put that on your. Uh, um, I, I will do that. Um, it'll be in the show notes because uh, I've done. I've gone there already so that Jill and I got our tickets so we can watch it when it. Now when have it low out. expectations. What's that? Have low expectations. Of you, I have yeah. the highest. Lower them. No. I've worked with you and I've adored you for 20 some years. My expectations are as high as they can be. Well, give Jill a big hug for me though. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on my podcast. You're welcome. I love it and uh, continued great success. Say hi to all our friends there at Northwest. Will do. 